Well, hi everybody, it's uh, me again, and uh, glad to be up here sharing with you as we uh, continue our conversation in the Sermon on the Mount, Summer on the Mount. Um, I can't unsee uh, my wife last week, she's like, it looks like it says slimmer on the mount. And so now I can't unsee that. <laughs> now, so if you're, if you're new here and you've not seen that, it is not slimmer on the mount. This is not a... Um, anyway, but uh, we are talking about the so, uh, Sermon on the Mount uh, as told through Matthew's uh, gospel. Um, when we look at this sets of teachings, uh, roughly three chapters of information content that we're given, uh, most scholars look at this, this big uh, set of scripture, red letter sections, long quotes of Jesus, and um, they, they look at the way that, that Matthew wrote it, and, uh, um, and they, they make the conclusion that, that probably what's happening here is that this is... Uh, different parts of Jesus's sermons wherever he would go and teach and preach. Uh, Jesus was a traveling minister, so he'd go from city, town, uh, town, and he would deliver uh, messages about the kingdom of God. Mark's gospel tells us right out of the gate that Jesus came, and what Jesus said about the reason why he came is that he came to announce that the kingdom of God is near. So when we, we think of this idea of like, why did Jesus come? It's like, well, that's not a mystery. He told us. He came to announce that the kingdom of God was near. And then he would go around to towns as he was proclaiming this message that God's way. And when we think of kingdom of God, that's kind of like, what, what does that mean? I, I like to say this to people at times. I'll say, imagine a world where God is fully in control. Imagine a world where God is, is in charge. What would a world like that look like? And oftentimes we would say, well, there'd probably be no pain if God was involved. So yeah, that's probably a good, good assumption. There'd probably be no death if, if God was in charge. Yeah, that's probably a good assumption. Probably no sickness if, if God was in charge. We'd say, yep, yep. And so when we look at these things, this is what it means, that God is in charge. And Jesus came on this earth and said, hey, the kingdom of God is near. God's way on God's earth is near. And so what did he do? Well, he was healing people. He was forgiving people. He was welcoming people in, making, uh, bringing wholeness and healing to people's lives. Of, uh, he was raising people from the dead. He was doing all the things that we would assume would happen if God was in control. So he begins to show us what it looks like, and he begins to teach. And so Jesus was known as a teacher and, and uh, um, a wise man, a prophet, and uh, he would go around, he, he would share. So Matthew collects all these different sermons, scholars look at this grouping of text, and say that, that Matthew was essentially giving us Jesus' greatest hits of, of content. And um, because this was the sermon he would have preached wherever he went, maybe portions of it, maybe all of it, um, but this is what they would have heard for, for roughly three years of them walking alongside Jesus. They would have heard this message or portions of this message, of fragments of this message, every city that they went to, every town that they went to. As Jesus was walking, they're all walking together. Jesus might have been like working through it and talking to them about it. And they might have been asking more questions about what would you mean, salt and, and light? What are you talking about? You know, like, and they would have been digesting it and, and, and onboarding it so that years later, when Matthew is writing this out, this is a part of his DNA. Is a part of who he is because he just absorbed it over and over and over again. And I would argue that that's the same 
thing that we ought to be doing with, with this sermon. We ought to be just absorbing it every single day, letting it be a part of our lives, let it offer us wisdom. Because ultimately what this sermon is doing is it's, it's, it's not like a list of do's and don'ts. It includes things that we should do and not do, sure. But, it, but there's more going on than just a list of, of things that we need to be doing or not doing. These are, these are teachings where Jesus begins to expose the why behind the what we do and don't do. Jesus is getting to the heart of what people are, are going through, and he begins to expose our hearts to the realities of the ways that we work in opposition to God's kingdom. So if he's here to say that the kingdom of God has come, it's near, um, and then he begins to go around teaching, this is what it looks like to be partners of the kingdom. What happens is that as we look at ways that we should be a part of the kingdom, we are exposing what's going on inside of us, and then we got to wrestle with the tension of like, oh, actually, I've been working in opposition to that. And Jesus is trying to get us to align and work with him in what he's doing in and on this earth. And so as we go through these sets, we're in chapter six, uh, mid, midway through chapter six, as we've been going through this, there have been a lot of tough things that we've discussed. And it feels like every week, like I have in my notes here, like, oh, this is going to be a tough one. And I kind of chuckle at everyone because like, yeah, every week's been tough. <laughs> Let's be honest. Like every week has been like, oh, ah, yeah, that's hard. That's a hard thing to hear. And today for some of you, this might be another really hard one to listen because what we're about to explore is going to expose all the things that run against things like the desire for prosperity, wealth building, capitalism, the American dream. Jesus is going to begin to expose all of these things in these next sets of teaching, and we've got to wrestle with it. That's what we're going to do this morning. We're going to wrestle with it. So let's jump right into the text. Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 is where we're going to start. We're going to end in 34 by the end of it, but turn in your Bibles there or your phones or whatever you got. But let's read together. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Where moths and vermins do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will also be. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. And if then the light within you is darkness... Well, how great is that darkness? You see, no one can serve two masters. Either you'll hate the one and love the other, or you'll be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. So let's just let the cat out of the bag. What's Jesus talking about here? Well, he's talking about possessions and wealth. Okay, that's what he's talking about. Possessions and wealth and money. So what is the wisdom that Jesus is offering us in light of these passages? Well, let's start with what he's not saying. Because on the surface, we can kind of spin out a little bit of like, well, wait a minute, what is Jesus talking about? What he's not talking about is don't have money. He's not talking about don't save. He's not saying money is bad or that earthly treasures are bad. He's not saying any of that. 
He's actually going deeper. Remember, Jesus is unearthing what's going on in our hearts so that we can become, through his wisdom, the people of his kingdom. So if I were to like define the Sermon on the Mount and these sets of teachings, this is how I would define it. Someone say, what's the Sermon on the Mount about? What's all these teachings about? And I would say it's about Jesus. He's unearthing, he's uncovering what's going on in our hearts so that we can become, through his wisdom, following his wisdom, the people of his kingdom. Because he's here to announce his kingdom. And he's inviting us to be the people of his kingdom. So we've got to then wrestle with what that looks like. And that's what he's doing here. If I can be um, real with you this morning um, and just uh, a little, little uh, vulnerable about my life and some of my experiences, because when you look at this sets of teaching, we read it all. In fact, um, if you can go back to that, uh, Debbie, just to the, the, the text up there, um, the, the Matthew text that we just read, uh, jump back a little bit, you'll actually see that there are three segments to this teaching. There are three segments to this teaching. There's this first section where he talks about treasures, okay, where your treasures is or your heart's going to be. Then he talks about the eye. The eye, you know, the eye's the lamp to your body and lets light in. And if, you're, if your eye's unhealthy, like, what's happening? So he talks about the eye. And then he talks about, like, serving two masters. Like, what's going on here? And so these kind of seem, can seem, and can appear to be these random sets of ideas and thoughts that taken on surface level, we go, okay, there's, some, there's something here. I, I get that. Um, but actually, I think what Jesus is doing is he's actually building an argument. That there's a, there's a thought process, a flow to these three things. When um, I was growing up, uh, we didn't have money. Uh, we, were, uh, we weren't poor, but we, did, we just didn't have a lot of money. Um, in fact, I found out later on in life that my mom wasn't actually that poor, but because of the experiences that she had going through two bankruptcies, being poor as a kid, she held money so tightly in her hands that we as kids never got anything, even though she probably had it, which was weird. Like, we, we still lived like we were poor because my mom never wanted to ever have the feeling ever again of, of not having money. Um, and, uh, and so we grew up, you know, hand-me-downs and, and, and you know, very simple ham hamburger helper dinners. Anybody hamburger helpers? Yeah. You know, doing all of that, you know, and, and um, um, but, but, you know, it was just the simplest things that we could do. And so growing up, that was my experience. Well, when I became a young adult, I wanted nothing to do with that. So I became a spender. And I just wanted to buy things because I just felt like we never went on trips as a family. We never did anything fun as a family. We never went out. We never went to, you know, events around, you know, like just we never went miniature golfing or like the things that you can do. We never did those things. So I'm like going out and I'm, I became a spender. Now, um, I don't think it's simply just because my mom was so tight fisted with money. My dad was a spender too, but I, probably some influence there. I just went the other direction. When I got married, um, Jane and I, when we got married, um, uh, come to find out, Jane is a spender too because she had a very similar upbringing. So like she struggled. And so like when they say like, oh, you marry your opposites. Well, not in this area. Like Jane and I are both spenders. Uh, very problematic, okay? I'm just gonna tell you right now. And um, 
But we were still poor when we first got married. Jane and I lived off of food stamps. We would hit the food bank um, at least a couple times in a, in a month just to get by. Um, uh, we never went on dates. We, we never had anything. Um, a, a date night for us was playing cards, listening to Frank Sinatra sitting on the floor. Because uh, we just didn't, you know, and, and a wonderful time. But we just didn't do anything. We didn't have any money. So... Um, as my life progressed, as our marriage progressed, um, I eventually uh, picked up a second job. I was a pastor full-time, and, and I needed, uh, but, my, but the church I was pastoring couldn't pay me full-time. So I had to go in and work full-time in addition to pastoring. And, um, and this job that I got um, paid me very well. And this is the first time in my life I had ever had money, like a significant amount of money where I could do things, uh, where Jane and I could do, we could do things. We've never had that before. And what had happened was that we started buying a lot of things that we wanted. And uh, we started spending a lot of money. I mean, we, were, we got a camper, and, uh, and then um, our friends got a bigger camper. And so, well, we got we to get a bigger camper. And, and uh, so we'd get a bigger camper, a nicer camper. And when we'd go to the camping shows and we'd walk around and be like, well, I don't like that camper. Let's trade in the one we got and get this camper. And our kids would get older and we'd justify it. Oh, our, kids are, our kids are bigger. They need, they need more room. And, and so we would justify all the reasons why we'd get our things. There was one year I even bought a boat. It was one of the greatest years of my life. I love boating. Um, <laughs> Uh, but man, we had a boat and it was amazing and we were just buying things and getting things and, and the downfall of this was that we weren't smart because we were just kids, Jane and I. We were, we were kids uh, and we weren't smart. So we were borrowing to buy thinking, oh, we'll pay it off because we make good money and we'll just pay it off later. So we're borrowing to buy, to borrowing to buy, to trade in, to borrow. And all of a sudden, this thing started happening. See, treasures where my heart, my heart was wanting things. And all of a sudden, I was finding value in all the things that I had, all these treasures that I had. My heart started being moved towards these things. And I was finding value in these things, bigger, better, more, better technology, you know, the newest phone, the newest this. And I was just in this world, all of a sudden, treasures started moving me slowly but surely. And I didn't even know it was happening. I was living my best life. And then my eyes, I began to fix my eyes on things, fix my eyes on the newest and greatest. Oh, look at that TV. Honey, look at this empty wall. We need a bigger TV. We need to fill this up. We need to do it. And I began to fix my eyes on things. And then all of a sudden, as years went on, I found myself enslaved. You cannot serve God and money. And what happened was that money became a master over me. Because what had happened is that as I began to get more and more in debt, all of a sudden the things that I wanted to do for God, I couldn't do. I couldn't quit my job that was paying me a lot of money because we were so in debt. I couldn't leave this place. I was still pastoring full-time, and they were giving me a little bit of money on the side. If, if, if where I was at, they asked me to come and do this full-time, quit your job, I couldn't because it would have meant financial ruin. And all of a sudden, fear and anxiety and looking at the checkbook, looking at the balance, not making enough, not, 
It was this trajectory of where my treasure was, where I fixed my eyes, to all of a sudden I'm serving money. And I can't serve God. Was I serving God? Yes. I was. Did you get what I'm saying? Like, if God called me and said, Joe, Jane, I want you to leave what you're doing and go over here, I couldn't because I was enslaved to money. There was this progression that happened in our lives. And when I read this set of text, I go, that was my story. Where my treasure was, my heart was there. And all of a sudden, I started fixing my eyes and how my eyes were unhealthy. And then all of a sudden, I was serving the wrong master in my life. This was what happened to me. Jesus' wisdom here comes in the form of a warning. Jesus is offering us wisdom here. And it comes in the form of like, hey, you need to understand, you need to watch out about these treasures. Now again, was it bad that I had a camper? No. Was it bad that I, that I wanted a quality of life that was better than what I grew up with? No. Where my priorities were, though, were misaligned. And guess what? It didn't start that way. I didn't start out that way going like, oh, forget this. I'm excited to go into debt and be enslaved to this. This is going to be fun. No. But you see, it's the subtlety. Where I put my priority in the things that I had led me down a path to ruin, to anxiety, to fear, to doubt in myself. The antidote to this is a lot proper alignment with God. How we invest ourselves, where we put our treasures, where is that at? And so when we decide that our treasures, the things that we treasure is where we're going to invest our money, we find that we're no longer serving God but money. And this is what happened to me. So when Jesus offers this next set of wisdom, we can hardly fathom what that looks like. Imagine the scenario I'm in, and I read this next set of texts. Jesus says, therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life. And we all go, yeah, right, Jesus. What? Do not worry about your life. And I can hardly fathom a world where that's a reality. Because I worry about my life. What's happening in my life. And this seems impossible. This seems impossible. He goes on to say, what you'll eat or drink about your body. What you'll wear. Is that life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They don't sow, reap, or store away in barns. And yet, your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Remember who first heard this. The audience that this is coming to. Right? The people that he's preaching to are the poor and the destitute. That probably was some of the group there. These are people that are wondering if they're ever going to escape their day-to-day struggles. These are people that are living below the poverty line, not sure where their next meal is going to come from, paycheck to paycheck, just surviving, begging, never knowing what the struggles are around the corner. This is probably some that we're hearing this for the first time going, do not worry? What are you talking about? 
Maybe there was the wealthy and the social high class. I'm sure they were in the audience. These people are living to build and secure wealth for themselves and those that come after them. Wondering at any time, will the government come, the Roman Empire, and take what they have worked for? This worry, this fear, this anxiety. You see, whatever situation we find ourselves in, we must be people whose priorities are aligned with Jesus and the kingdom that he brings. And in doing so, we put our trust in him and the life that he's leading us to. Jesus is offering wisdom about how to set our priorities and an if-then resolution because he says, therefore, is the transition. Therefore, which means it builds off of what he just said. If our priorities are aligned to him, where we're building treasures in heaven, which is to say that we're partnering with God in what he's doing, that we're investing into the kinds of things that, that bring people to life, the life and light of Jesus. We're partnering with what God is up to in our city, in our, in our church, in, in, in our town, that we're aligning ourselves to the kingdom of God that's advancing into the world. These are the treasures in heaven. And when our priorities are set there, that's where our, our heart is, where we invest. This idea of do not worry becomes a reality for these people. And, and Jesus, he's not just simply saying like, hey, you know, you need to chill out a little bit. You know, like, don't, don't worry, chill out. He's, he's, he's getting into something much, much deeper that leads to a more healthy and productive life. Jesus is wise. Jesus is wise. And we would all go, yeah, he's wise. And so what he's saying here is truth for all time. And what's interesting is that in the scientific community, there's a term called mindfulness. Mindfulness. Mindfulness is the practice of purposely bringing one's attention to the present moment. Mindfulness. And so there are mindfulness meditations that, that people do. There's mindfulness activities that people do to bring themselves into the present moment. And science is beginning to unpack that this actually has health benefits for us when we are present in the moment. Studies are showing that mindfulness leads to improved quality of sleep, reduction in depression, anxiety, psychological distress, Increase of a sense of clarity and improved concentration. Improvements in patience, self-esteem, and empathy for others. Jesus' wisdom, he's like, he said this 2,000 ago, hey, don't worry, be present. And the back end of this teaching, he goes on to say this, verse 27. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? What is worry? Worry is the, 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 the tomorrow the unknown, the, the what's going to happen over here. And we get so focused on that over there that we're no good here, in the moment, in the present. And it leads to all sorts of things. When Jane and I were at our lowest, there was so much lack of sleep, so much irritability between the both of us fighting about this or that so much fear of the unknown are we going to survive are we going to make it what's happening we're in this bad bad spot and god took jane and i on a journey of recovery of realignment with him and unfortunately that took us another three years of really tough decision making and and trial in our lives but as we have come out of that we have learned something. 
You see, we, we're in a place now where Jane and I aren't rich by like societal terms, but man, we are rich in spirit. Our marriage has never been healthier. Our, our, our life is, has never been in, in, in a better spot as we have realigned ourselves properly with our treasures and what we care about. He goes on to say, and why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They don't labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. So do not worry, saying, what shall we eat? What are we going to drink? What, what are we going to wear? For the pagans run after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom. Ah, this is the treasures. Prioritize. Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, Jesus' wisdom that he offers us. And all of these things will be given to you as well. When we properly align ourselves to the way of Jesus, things like worry, anxiety, and fear can take a back seat, should take a back seat. When we are misaligned, and Jesus offers this wisdom, if your eye is unhealthy and it's darkness inside, how great is that darkness? Like, how bad is it? How long have you been living this way? Misaligned. And some of you, this is a journey that you, that you need to wrestle with. What do we want out of life? Do we want to continue to fight these things that we've been fighting, or do we need to make changes? And some of those changes need to be significant, and they're going to be hard. Some of you have been living under the, the, the pressure of debt and ruin for so long, you don't even know how to breathe anymore. And you need to get help. Our next financial peace class, you need to be in it. Our last one that we did, I can't remember the financial number, but it was crazy what people were able to get out from under debt. You need to get help and counseling to figure it out because God has so much for you. This last illustration, as I begin to, to wrap up, is this. You know, the generation that's coming up, my kids, and, and even a little bit er, earlier, the, the teenagers um, that I work with and on Sunday nights, they're so amazing, but some of the bad rap that they get, they're so lazy. They don't do anything. They don't like want to, they don't want to keep jobs and they don't want to like, you know, they're bouncing around and they expect so much and, and all these things that I hear. And, and sometimes I, I've looked at my kids, you know, I have a 20-year-old and, and an 18-year-old. And I, I'm like, okay, where you at? <laughs> you know, what's going on? And so I understand the frustration, but here's the thing that I wonder sometimes. When I was growing up, it was go to college, get a degree, get a job, jump in, go. My parents before then, it was like, like I'm probably the last generation of start a job, end a job at the same place. Like that doesn't happen anymore, does it? Right? People don't stay at the same place. That, like my dad, you know, jumped around maybe a little bit, but was still in the same, you know, general space that, that when he got out of the military. Like 
I'm probably the last generation, right, where you see that, that reality. And what I've come to wonder is this. Because of the way I was raised in that you buy a house, you get all these things, you do the, the, the American dream thing, you, you get married, you have three kids, you buy a house, you get all into debt and all these, these things. Has that handcuffed us from actually being present to do what God's calling us to? And here's what I wonder. I wonder if the next generation God's raising up purposefully because he needs people that can leave and go. Well, I have a mortgage payment. I can't get up and go. I got these responsibilities. And God goes, okay, I'll go find someone else that can go, who's available, who's ready. See, when our priorities are misaligned, can God actually use us to go? if he calls. And I don't know what that looks like. I'm not saying that that's God doing that to you or that owning a home, like I, have, I own a home, right? Like I, it's, it's okay, but where are our priorities? Where are we aligned? And can we live a life of no worry if our priorities, priorities are misaligned? I would say this, Jesus' wisdom says if we prioritize the world, the result will be us in want and worry. If we prioritize the world, Jesus says the result will be want and worry. He says, don't store up yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy. Like these are temporary things. I'm calling you into a greater reality for a greater uh, impact in our world. If we prioritize him, we will have life and life more abundantly. I am not as rich as I was years ago, financially. But boy, are we rich and blessed. I don't have all the toys that I used to have long ago. That's okay. Boy, are we rich. The friendships, the blessing of this church, all of you, like, our merit, it's, I couldn't be happier. Couldn't be happier. Follow the way of Jesus. Prioritize him. Make the hard adjustments now. You'll be thankful later. I think this is the wisdom that Jesus is offering us. So the take home this morning is two things. Jake, you can jump up here. What and where are your treasures? Where your treasures are, that's where your heart's gonna be. So what are your treasures? Where are they? What are they? And do you need to pivot? Do you need to make some changes? What's Jesus unearthing in your heart? You notice Jesus doesn't say, these are what treasures are. He doesn't, right? He's offering us wisdom to explore that for ourselves. I, I can't decide that for you. I'm not gonna stand up here and say that this is what you need to do and not do. You need to decide that. Let the spirit convict you of where in your life do you need to pivot and change? Where are your treasures? Okay? No guilt, no shame. I'm not saying possessions are bad. We outlined it. Jesus is not saying that. Just saying, what are you prioritizing? And do you need to audit that? Do you need to make some changes so that you can live a healthier life free of worry, anxiety, and fear? What needs to change today in order for you to live in the present? Again, many of you, us can't live in the present because we're too worried about how we're gonna pay tomorrow's bill and the debt that we've occurred for ourselves. Jesus offered, like, what needs to change? 
so that you can actually be present in what God's calling you to today. Because that's all we have. At the very end of this, Jesus says, don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow has enough worry of its own. What are you doing today? What needs to change so you can be more present today? That's what God's calling us to. As we get ready for communion, I want to invite you to um, take a moment. Um, we have our uh, ushers coming up. They're, they have baskets of kids. So if you didn't grab communion on your way in, you'd like to participate with it, just lift your hand as they walk their uh, way back, and they'll, they'll make sure you get communion if, you, if you're interested. Um, but we're going to take a moment and reflect. Okay? I, sa- I said at the beginning, this is going to be a tough message. <laughs> Right? Because it's running in opposition to sometimes our desires for prosperity and wealth building and all these things that we, the American dream, right? And God's going, well, well, where's your priorities? Let's wrestle with that and let God speak to us in this moment right here and now before we take communion.